Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hello. Hey. I don't know why I always open the podcast with hello. Um, because that's the thing you say? I mean, yeah, but I always say it kind of with that cadence. Oh, I think, find it comforting. You'd think I could, like, switch it up a little bit, but no, apparently not. Like, start doing, like, the Alexander Graham Bell thing of, like, ahoy! Sure. Did he do that? I think so. I I think that's a factoid I remember where, like, the first time you picked up a telephone and it worked, they said ahoy instead of hello. I, I could be making this up. I'm not 100% sure in this fact. I really wish she had said something really dope. You know? Like, yo, 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 it's your boy, Graham Bell. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> and then everybody would have to answer their phone like a bad rapper in the 90s. Well, clearly, they should make a musical about Alexander Graham Bell. Oh my god, Done. they could totally repurpose half the Hamilton songs. Oh my god. But my like, done in that style? Alexander Graham Bell. Yeah! Yeah, because the name is Alexander, so... And there's a million phones I haven't rung. Just you wait. Oh my god. Why? Why does this always devolve into Hamilton? I don't know. Everything comes back to Hamilton. It does. Everything ever. Shall we get to the business that everybody actually wants to talk about? Yeah, I guess. The new Jurassic World trailer just dropped. I forgot to watch it because I'm a bad human. What? I'm sorry. It's, okay, so remember like a hundred episodes ago when I was making predictions about the new Jurassic World and how good I thought it would be based on the trailer and I told you they were going back to the island to like rescue the dinosaurs and shit? Yeah, that was like two episodes ago. Oh. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. By now, that was like four episodes ago. Oh my god. My oh. Si- my sense of time is so fucked up. Well, let's let's not get too far in the weeds here during the recording because okay. nobody needs to know about time. But let's just say my predictions about what happened based on the earlier trailers I saw were completely wrong, and the new trailer changes fucking everything. Hmm. I'm so ready. I spent. A lot of time last night looking up Sam Neill. Oh, God. Who's not in this movie as far as I know. <laughs> I don't need to know about you looking up Sam Neill. No, not like that. It started uh-huh. from an X-Files episode because, uh-huh. um, and there's, it starts off with there's this very weird hack movie being made of Mulder and Scully's mission that happened during the episode, but it starts with the movie and then like flashes back. 
And, like, within 30 seconds of this very bad Scully being on screen wearing this, like, very awful red wig, I was like, that's the girl from Jurassic Park 3! And sure enough, it's Mrs. Kirby from Jurassic Park 3. And I was like, I told you! I could tell by her teeth because they're very square from the side. That's that's an interesting little factoid there. Yeah, and then I was like, well, I'm already in the Jurassic World IMDb. Let's check out Sam Neill. And then I was looking up all the movies he's done because the the actress that played Miss um, Kirby, she's only done like 27 films and Sam Neill did like 120 something. So I was like looking through all of his like, what else can I watch Sam Neill in? And the answer is everything. Which is interesting because I've never seen him in anything other than Jurassic Park. And that one movie we watched with his butt. What movie was that? I still don't know. I looked Ah. at every single one and I couldn't find the movie that it was. It was so memorable. And then I should just continue on with the rest of the story. I mean, I've come this far into the woods. So basically, basically, Animorphs fans who want to know more about my sad, sad life. um, (laughs) At the time, we were living with an ex-boyfriend of mine in our apartment before we kicked him out um, for bad behavior. And... uh, (laughs) Basically, we were watching this movie and Sam Neill came on and it was this full shot of him naked from behind. And I made this comment about like, wow, he has a really nice butt. Like it was just really symmetrical and like nice. (laughs) I don't know. And then my ex apparently heard this and like came out of the woodwork to be like, well, you never said I had a nice butt. And Casey and I were horrified and I believe we looked at each other horrified and I had no fucking idea what to say. (laughs) <laughs> I think I just stutter like uh 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 because I didn't want to be like no your ass is shit and you walk like a girl but you know anyways <laughs> I'm just dying over here <laughs> don't mind me that's oh, the story God. of my life and some of the terrible decisions I've made hooray I sat down today after I wrote my notes and I was like, man, I wonder what our intro is going to turn out to be because like, surprise, surprise, we don't plan it. And I was like, oh, but the Jurassic Park trailer just came out. We're going to be talking about Jurassic World for like 15 fucking minutes. No, it turned into <laughs> somehow. Sam Neill. Sam, Sam Neill's Neill. ass. <laughs> this oh. is like the third time I brought up Sam Neill's ass on this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a recurring theme, which is pretty amusing. It's, we're going to have to start crediting it soon if we don't stop. I hope Sam Neill listens to our podcast at some point. Like, I <gasps> hope that... he did? I hope that, like, somebody he knows is an Animorphs fan and they listen to our podcast and then they're like, oh, hey, Sam, they talk about you. And, <gasps> and he li- Oh, my God! There's rumors that there's an Animorphs movie in the works, maybe? What Michael the- Grant has been um, dropping some hints that there might be some sort of Animorphs movie in the works. So what if they're like, Sam Neill, get into Animorphs because you could be cast as like, I don't know. I mean, he'd probably be like Visitor 3 or something or like, right. you know, one of the kids' dads. Maybe it can be like... Rachel's dad or something. No, that, he's too old. Um, I don't know. He could be cast as whatever. And they're like, oh, maybe he can be, like, the voice of Elfangor. Anyways, um, they're like, yeah, what, like, just watch this shit about Animorphs, get into Animorphs. And what if he Googles it, and then our podcast comes up, and he's like, oh, these people will explain to me in short, eloquent bursts what our podcast, or what Animorphs is about in podcast form. 
And then he listens to us, and it, it's, like, just us talking about his ass repeatedly. We could also make use of hashtags and just hashtag Sam Neill's ass. <laughs> and we can, like, hashtag, or, like, copy in, like, on Instagram, Laura Dern and, like, Jeff Goldblum. And, like, yeah. eventually one of them will listen and be like, oh hey, God. Sam. <laughs> Going back to the Animorphs movie, though, holy shit. Yeah. What am I going to do? Well, there's no way that they'll finish production and, like, release this movie before we're done with this podcast. We're already, oh my god, in two more postings of episodes, we're already going to be a a quarter of the way through it. But, I, I don't know, I feel like if it's in the works, like, meaning there's maybe, like, a script going around. Not even at that stage yet. Um, from what uh michael grant has been hinting it sounds like it's very much like they're just talking about who has the rights right now and who can like it's really really early on okay yeah because and the other thing is like how are they going to handle a movie like i imagine it's going to be the part one of many movies to come but like the the way that the books work is like you have one adventure per book how is that going to translate into film it would work, work so much better as a TV show. It would. They should revamp the TV show. They should. I I think, um, I've seen this idea floated around, but they should, like, let Netflix do a TV show. Because Netflix <gasps> has been yeah. on a roll. Yeah. Netflix mm-hmm. is just like, scoop up all the IP and make adaptations <laughs> of all of it. Like, yes. oh my god, it's a no-brainer. Right? That's <sighs> what I would do if I had any power or control. Oh, but a TV show, but uh, like done well, would be so good. Be, with the correct hawk this time. Yeah, with a red tail. Seriously, it's easier to get a red tail than a Harris hawk. What yeah. the fuck? I don't know how that happens. That's pretty yeah. funny. Oh, and with the updates in 3D technology, like for a TV show, you know, it's not going to be like on the same level as, as like a big blockbuster, but like the Andalus looks so dope. And, and, oh my God. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, and it, it won't was... be like, well, you saw the scene where Axe like got caught by ropes in the TV show, and it was just like the most pathetic <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. A tiny net. A tiny net. <laughs> yeah, they they could do it. Oh. They could do it so good. Oh my god, I want it. I want it too, and I want it to be good. I don't want it to be bad. So. I was, I was thinking about the OC yesterday, and I promise this relates back. Um, I was thinking about the OC, and I was like, how old were, they, were the kids when they filmed the OC? They were all, like, in their early to mid-20s, and they're supposed to be playing, like, 15-year-olds. Yeah. And I'm like, what if they did that with Animorphs? What if they just, like, aged them up a lot? Okay, but, I mean, I, I was thinking about that, too. But think about how well Stranger Things turned out with that age group yeah. of kids. Yeah. Oh my god. Right? Mm. Like, logically, and how it's done most of the time, I would imagine they would pick older kids and, like... Because, like, that's what they did in the TV show, right? Like, yeah. they weren't, like, 12, yeah. 13, 14 in the TV show. They were, like, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. But if they did, like, what they did with Stranger Things and got oh the kids, god. like, kid yeah. kids, oh my god, it would be so much worse and, like, I, and by worse I mean better. 
I mean, yeah. like, it would be so much more realistic to the series because oh of, god. like, oh, them growing up with it. Oh my god. It would be heartbreaking. Oh. Uh, and we haven't even started talking about this book yet. We're already in crisis land. Oh my god. This book was... Oh god. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, but in a good way. Oh, it's so... It's so insane. And it's so wonderful, too. <laughs> Sweet get into it I'm, I'm ready okay so the book opens and it's a rachel book so already i'm over the moon <laughs> um so it opens rachel's talking about herself uh just a little bit she's saying that um everybody thinks she's pretty and she's like i'm okay and then she goes but i'm really self-confident and that's true for sure and then she gives us immediately this very great rundown about how her friends, her closest friends think she's fearless, and she's not. People without fear are just insane. She's scared. She's scared sometimes all day long, but she does what she has to do anyways, even though there's fear. And that's, like, the open of this book is just, yeah. like, whoa, <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get very quick character descriptions at this point, like, you know, Jake, my responsible cousin. My favorite one was Marco, my personal pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. which is the best. Uh, and then she gives us a rundown of an alien race, like all the alien races that we've met so far, um, by intelligence, which is a new angle that's always been implied before, but never like quite stated quite like this, which was like the Elemis is the genius of the universe. The Andalites right. are more advanced than humans, but like in the way a 10th grader is more advanced than an 8th grader. Um, the hork are not smart, but they it's they're supposed to be sweet. And then Taxons are just not nice. We don't even know if they're smart or stupid. They're just not nice. They don't matter. They don't matter because they're just cannibalistic worms. Yay. Fuck that um, shit. Yeah, seriously, fuck that shit. So then finally we get to the Yerks, and that's when we hear about how they're taking over the Earth, and they're infesting as many people as they can, including one very cute host body. But more on that later. Good. Then we get to... Field trip, which are the greatest words in the English language. A field trip to the zoo, no less. Yeah. And I was like, this will end in disaster and calamity. (laughs) Once again, it will end in disaster and calamity, yeah. God. Yeah. I wrote that, I agree with Rachel, that field trip is the the greatest combination of words in the English language. And that Tolkien said it was cellar door, but he was wrong. It's field trip. (laughs) They, They wrote... They wrote a whole cartoon about it. It's called the Magic School Bus. <laughs> Aw, with Miss Frizzle. With Miss Frizzle. Damn. Anyway, field trip to the zoo. Woohoo! <laughs> field trip to the zoo. And Cassie and Rachel are walking around together at the zoo. And Rachel is super pumped. She's enjoying her Mountain Dew. And Cassie is freaking out because her mom works at the zoo. And her mom's going to give her entire class a presentation later. And she's super worried because her mom is going to try and sound cool in this presentation and relate to them and say, Snoop Diggity Dog and Boys Eleven Men and Nice is Neat. (laughs) I was dying the whole time. Right? Oh my god. When, like, Boys Eleven Men always gets me. Like, oh my god. I'm dying. Um, So Rachel figures out what most of these are, but she's like, what the what the hell is nice is neat? 
And we find out that this was this entire ploy where Cassie got her mom to buy her a Nine Inch Nail CD by telling her that it was Nice as Neat was the name of the band. And then Rachel says something like, oh, that sounds like a Marco lie. And Cassie goes, well, it was. He wanted to burn the cassette from my CD, <laughs> which is, again, so 90s. And I then know. Cassie didn't even like the band. Oh, my God. That oh. That entire, this entire book, I was just like, this is so dated, and I love it. Yes, it was, and in such an amazing way. Oh my god. But this led to my first question, and surprise for you, which is, what do you think a playlist for each character would be? Like, what kind of songs (gasps) do you think would be on it? No! I sent it to you ahead of time, so you had time to think. (laughs) I forgot about it, okay. Um, oh, geez. Okay, here's the thing, though, because I am writing a comic that takes place in 2003, and so I feel like everything I make for that playlist has to exist during or before 2003. So yeah, would, yeah. would the same rule apply yes. to this? Yes. Okay, so only shit made in the 90s and earlier. And I'll tell you how I came to this conclusion... I actually set up a Spotify from our Animorphs Anonymous account with each of these playlists for the characters that I'm going to add to. Yes! Oh my god! I'm ready! This is my favorite thing! Okay, good. I'm going to share it out to you after this episode's over because the only one I have is Nine Inch Nails and Marco right now. Fuck yeah. Okay, (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready for this challenge. I'm so excited. Oh my god. We'll obviously share that on the Facebook page when we release this episode. Oh my god! I know! Uh, but yeah, it has to be like from this was in ninety seven or earlier. I mean, I'm assuming if it's any time from like the when the books were published, so like two thousand backwards, it's cool, fair game. Right. But yeah, right. I'm so excited. Ah! <sighs> so that was my question. So, anyways, do you have like any song choices at all for them? So oh far? my god, just off the top of the dome? Yeah. Oh no. What's in your bean? <laughs> What's in my bean? My mind. My bean. Give me your bean thoughts. Oh god. <laughs> I don't want to freak your bean. Um, yeah, I just started thinking about like overarching things. Like Jake would totally be like the rock type, like mm-hmm. I feel like he would be like classic slash pop rock and then Marco, yeah. I think, would be into, like, some electronic and obviously, like, heavy metal kind of <laughs> shit. I, yeah. I don't know what Tobias would like. Oh, for Axe, I just thought really, like, weird, like, <laughs> you know those songs that are just those, like, beats that, like, are supposed to help you, like, think better and, like, set your brain waves to, like... Sure. <laughs> yeah, this would just be, like, those weird beat playlists. <laughs> you know what I- you know what I associate with Axe? I don't even know if this was the 90s or what. I don't know what time I wrote this was, but you know the guy who's wearing like that weird collar and he's like, yes! That's what I think about with Axe. Oh my god, that is incredible. Oh my god. Oh, God. Okay, uh, so that's Axe's playlist taken care of. That guy. I don't even <laughs> know who he that. is. I don't oh. know either, but every time that video pops up on Facebook, I watch it on a loop like ten Good. times. Good. I like. I could seriously talk about this for hours, so 
I, I think we should come back to this. Okay. And we will because we have playlists to fill out for the rest of the entire time we're making this podcast. Fuck yeah. Okay. Moving right along then. Oh, man. So, um, while they're talking about Cassie's mom and how not cool she's going to be, uh, Rachel notices that there's a little kindergartner that was been has been running around her at the zoo, and he is climbing up the wall. And this wall is what divides the crocodile tank from the rest of the zoo. And sure enough, he falls overboard. Whee! Yay! Good job. <laughs> Good job, toddler or kindergartner. How old are kids in kindergarten? Like five. Idiot five-year-old. So Cassie's like, I'm going to go find help because obviously they see the kid go in there, calamity ensues, people are screaming and like, oh my God. Um, And Cassie is like, I'm going to go find help. And then takes Rachel and I believe holds her and says, do not do anything stupid. Do not. Do not do anything (laughs) stupid. I swear to God, Rachel. I swear to God, Rachel. Do not. And Rachel's like, Got it. No problema. And uh, so she runs over to the enclosure. She sees the uh, um, five crocodiles in the middle island, or six crocodiles, I think, in the middle of the island. I can't tell because my printer cut this number out. (laughs) And she's like, ah, shit, this kid's in trouble. And then when the other, like, when the crocodiles start looking over, she's like, well, I can watch this go down, or I can do something stupid. So she's like, I'm going to do something stupid. And... For the first time in this book, we get the age-old, hey, look over there. And all the crowd, like, fucking, what, cows or sheep or something goes, and looks over there. (laughs) Like, what? And, yeah, and so Rachel jumps up onto the railing, like, it's a balance beam, and does some cool trick on a tree to, like, unparallel bars or parallel bars. We never did settle that. Whatever bars they are, she jumps on them. She jumps on the tree like it's that and then lands in the enclosure. And she realizes that the only reason that the other six crocodiles have not come over yet is because hidden under this viewing area is a little alcove where there's a seventh crocodile and it's the most giant one. And that's exactly where the kid fell. So, yay. Yeah, so she's there, the crocodile is starting to stir, and she's staring it down, and then it charges her. She jumps up to avoid it, its jaws close right where she was, and then she lands on its back where she does the only thing she can do, and she acquires it, as she says, before it acquires her. So, is it alligators or crocodiles where you can actually clamp your hands around their jaws and they can't open their jaws? Both. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, uh, they both have very weak opening muscles. You should have done that. I, you know, I thought that the entire time, but then that's not what happened. <laughs> that's that's another factoid that I learned from Magic School Bus, though, just to tie that back in. Oh, I learned it from the Crocodile Hunter, which I was pretty con- pretty sure I wanted that to be my career path in life. You wanted to die by Stingray? I wanted to be the crocodile hunter. Actually, one of my high school teachers, when we were talking about, like, jobs that we wanted and stuff, like, you know you do in high school where they're like, where are you going to college? What do you want to be? And um, this was one of my favorite teachers. And he's the one that, like, got me into uh, the rehab clinic and everything, got me a job there. 
So we were talking about like what what we wanted to be, and I said something to him like, "I really want to be the crocodile hunter." And he looked at me like dead in the eyes and like paused for a moment. And then he goes, "Well, the job's open." Oh, <laughs> it's like shit. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I did actually cover my heart with one hand, like a southern bell, and, <laughs> and you swooned onto the. Couch. I swooned slightly, like oh, that blow was too harsh. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Uh, yeah, and this was like, this only would have been a few years out from his death, so. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, um, Rachel does not hold his mouth shut. She apparently does not know this factoid from Magic School Bus or Crocodile Hunter. So she instead acquires the crocodile, and she says it doesn't feel like any other time she's acquired a morph. She feels instantly sick and overheated and nauseous and disgusting and then she's like whatever it's probably fine so she starts morphing crocodile and uh she's like i got i gotta get there before the calming effect wears off of this monstrosity and as she's finishing the morph the crocodile brain comes at her and she's like it was super slow it's not stupid but simple like its instincts are are like dinosaur instincts they're millions of years old it's very slow and like very few (laughs) very few instincts that's what i'm trying to say um so she's about to turn around and grab the kid and then the other crocodile charges her and suddenly she's in a fight to the death so they get pulled off the alcove into the shallow water and they're death rolling and swiping and biting each other and it's got her leg and she's got its tail or some shit. And then she's like, I used the one thing the crocodile didn't have, human intelligence. So she basically propels herself backwards and has an open strike at its belly and takes it. And she has won this fight. And then she's able to like take like chase off the other crocodiles that have been trying to move in on her kid when this whole fight was happening. And she goes over to this toddler or five-year-old. I don't know how old you are when you stop being a toddler. I guess five-year-old, too old. But she's basically, yeah, she goes over to the small child and she's like, I'm a good crocodile, ride on my back like a pony. And the kid's like, okay. Yeah, that kid does not. She's like, cool, (laughs) shit. This is is a great crocodile. So, um. (laughs) This is a great crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) He pats it. (laughs) So he rides the crocodile over to a different spot in the enclosure where there's a place they can climb out and rachel demorphs she climbs out after the kid and they are both relatively unhurt the kid bonked his head but i mean he'll live yay go rachel that was oh god that was the sequence of events that happened at the zoo Uh. oh also this is great news because cassie's mom didn't have to give the lecture now that's the best Present of all. Yay, it's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, as much as we're happy about this, Jake is not. No. Jake is very mad. Yes. And he is trying to chew Rachel up for morphing an alligator. And Cassie's like, it's a crocodile. He's so (laughs) mad. He's so mad. And Cassie keeps correcting him every fucking time. (laughs) I love it, it too. I love it so much. This book is incredible. I'm sorry. I feel like no matter what I'm going to say during this book, it's just going to be this 
palpable joy that I have right now. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. I love this book so much. It's so good. It's so good. So every time that Jake is saying, you know, you, how could you do this? How could you turn into an alligator? That's a stupid move. Cassie's like, it's a crocodile. It's a crocodile, Jake. And he's like, he gives her this look and then he corrects himself and he's like, crocodile. And then he continues to chew Rachel out. And um, then I, this is like, while this is happening is when Rachel starts giving us character descriptions because clearly she does not give that sh- big of a shit about Jake being mad at her. Yeah, she's just like sitting there yawning like, ho ho, yeah. and Jake's yelling again, whatever. Yeah, and that's like a recurring thing in this book. Like, Ugh. Jake, on what, three or four occasions, chews her out. And most of the time, she's just talking about, like, the atmospheric shit going on around her. Oh, look, there's an ant on the ground. Whatever. Oh, man, yeah. So she's like, I'll just give character descriptions now while Jake's chewing me out because clearly nobody gives a shit about this. God. So we find out that Marco tells terrible jokes, um, and he clearly doesn't use all of his brain power on this because he's smart, and therefore, if he used all his brain power, his jokes would be good. Uh, and then she calls sick him burn, cute. Rachel. It was a pretty sick burn. I liked it. It was one of her sicker burns. <laughs> like, on the Scoville scale, this was like approaching a seven. Hell yeah. Need some milk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was not a good joke. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. God. Oh, um, we find out about Cassie, who's basically trying to help Rachel defend herself, and she's a wonderful best friend. And uh, I think she actually calls her a BFF in this book, which cracked me up. Dude, um, the the description of Cassie, like Rachel, seems like she's very she thinks very highly of Cassie. She's all like, Cassie's like perfect, and she's maintaining a a, a B average while saving the world, and she does all this stuff, and she's amazing. And I was just like. Wow, I, I've never seen this before. Yeah, like, I, so I actually, like, called that out to talk to you about it because we've been saying in, like, the other books, like, oh, it's obviously they're friends, but, like, it's it doesn't feel believable because they don't mm-hmm. have these, like, interactions together. Right. And this is one of the books that they do have that. Yeah, like, and they're, it's so fun. they're there for each other the whole book. And, yeah, I, you know. I really feel like their friendship is very, like, concrete now, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, I just, I loved the whole thing. I loved their interactions through this whole book. Yeah. And then Rachel also says that Jake would be handsome, except that they're cousins. And I'm like, stop saying these things, <laughs> you guys! But Ugh. she can say he's objectively handsome, right? Like, that's okay. Uh, would it, it, still, it still rubbed me the same way as, like, when Jake said that about her. Would it be better if she said, in my human morph, I recognize that Jake was handsome? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'll just, I'll just keep going, because I'm so excited about this book. Um, so she starts talking about Tobias, uh, saying, which, this I thought was kind of harsh. Like, she does not mention that she and Tobias have anything more than, like, a passing friendship. But then there's so many things in this book that you can clearly see that she and Tobias are closer than, like, she and Marco, she and Jake. 
That is, yeah, it's so interesting. And even in past books, like, when she's feeling upset, she goes to Tobias. Yeah. And, like, they obviously have, like, this deeper relationship, but, like, is she trying to kind of play it off like it's no big thing? Or, uh, yeah, just not feeling it, this book. Yeah, she really, like, while her relationship with Cassie was so much more palpable and believable in this book, her relationship with Tobias was not, like, non-existent, basically. Other than a few times that Tobias reached out to her, and she almost, Uh like, blows him off. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, it was super interesting, but, and there's another character action with her dad later on that I want to talk about, too, but um, the point of that is just to say that the one of the things I love, 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 love about the writing in this book is that um, instead of Applegate just telling us, like, this is their relationship, blah, 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 she puts in details that tell us more about the relationship between her and, like, her family especially than freaking any amount of detail could like you just get this immediate feeling and this immediate like oh god i've been in that situation before and i know how this feels and how like i know basically the person that he or she is so i i'll call that out later but i just love that part of this book even though i am a little sad that rachel keeps blowing off tobias your otp is wavering (laughs) Well, maybe a little bit, but, like, Tobias is, he's hardcore on my train. It's just Rachel's ignoring him a little bit. God. I know. Anyway, well, I'll continue <laughs> before before I just start talking about <laughs> just character relationships for, like, an hour straight. Uh. Uh, so, um, yeah, we, we hear a little bit about Tobias. She, I believe, calls him dweebish, which is... The most 90s word I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and she says, like, he, his crazy blonde hair sticked out every direction until he turned to a hawk, and now he has the fierce glare and blah, blah, blah. Um, and she mentions Axe uh, just as part of the group, like, oh, he's the weirdest looking one. He's a big blue alien. No big deal. Which it isn't. Not anymore. Not anymore. Then Marco makes a joke about uh, how Rachel needs to stop trying to be, like, some mix of Xena and Superman's kid. And Tobias kills it with his oh joke, which was, I didn't even know Superman and Xena were dating. And then he, pr- he privately reaches out to Rachel and says, ask Jake what he would have done in that scenario. That'll get him off your back. And this was one of those situations that, again, Tobias reaches out. And also, Tobias is very good at manipulating people sometimes. Uh-huh. He's, he's that good little at voice feelings. in your head. Uh-huh. He's your shoulder so, devil. He's the shoulder hawk devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as soon as Rachel follows Tobias's advice and says, what would you have done in that situation? Jake just kind of smiles and says, we're very lucky that you weren't caught on camera. <laughs> and obviously I would have done the same thing. Anyways, now we get into the 90-est parts of this book. Good God. Good God. So Jake casually mentions to the group that Tom started talking about some new representative spokesperson of the sharing. And he goes, oh, it's that kid from Powerhouse. And then he, like, moves on. But 
Rachel and Cassie are freaking out because they're like, you mean Jeremy Jason McColl? And uh, this is where I run into troubles because that is Jonathan Taylor Thomas is who that's supposed to be from Home Improvement, not Jeremy Jason McColl from Powerhouse. But yeah. the only name I could fucking think of was Jason James Richter, who plays Jesse and Free Willy. Yeah. That's all I could think of. That's not huh. him. That's not who they're trying to reference. He wasn't considered the cutest boy ever. Although I did not know that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was considered this cute in the 90s. What did oh, I miss? Oh, hell yeah. Like. Fill me in, please. No, I, I was a JTT fan. Uh, I didn't it. even know. Yeah. I had to look up, like, I had to look up who that was when I started um, thinking about Tim Allen in, we were watching some show with him, not Toy Story, someone he has on now, <laughs> Last Man Standing, Last Man Standing, yeah, and that's yeah. when I was like, I vaguely knew who Jonathan Taylor Thomas was, but I need you to explain to me, like, the popularity of this, because I miss this nuance. I just remember, like, my best friend at the time she she was really into him and therefore i was really into him and she had like posters of him up in her room and um the only thing i really knew about him because i didn't watch home improvement was that he was the voice of young simba on the lion king what yeah and i I fucking love the lion king and yeah i love simba too and i always wanted to play simba when we played lion king but they made me be nala because i was a girl Uh that's always zazu were you yeah did you like it, or is that because they of made you be Of course saucier? I did. Okay. I you also, were... whenever we played Beauty and the Beast, I was Lumiere. Oh, see, the, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I love Zazu. I also, I did love Nala, though. Like, I had the full Nala outfit. Like, the yeah. sweater, the matching <gasps> pants, sweatpants. I had I had the, the stuffed Simba and Nala, and they had magnets in their noses. <gasps> they so they went... The kissing ones! Yeah! And I'm like, this isn't accurate, because they didn't kiss when they were babies. Because they were like, ew, I don't want to marry them. Yeah. Well, see, again, I was like, aw, Simba and Nala, they're going to be together forever. (laughs) The Hmm. romance of our generation. Yeah. Um, I clearly, like, for whatever reason, latched on to, like, relationships in books and movies that I'm like, oh, these are the best. They're going to be together forever. But then when people are like, oh, did you check out Jonathan Taylor Thomas? I'm like, who the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. There's some Uh, break in my mind that didn't translate over into the real world. I mean, I feel like he wasn't big for that long. Like, he didn't have, like, a Justin Bieber type run. It was just, like, for, like, a year or two, I think. Yeah, but that's, like, a long-ass time in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. Because 90s were, like... I feel like those were, like, every famous person in the 90s was, like, a flash in the pan. Like, when you look at the 90s and think of who's popular, you can pin it to, like, oh, that was from, like, 92 to 94. Whereas, like, in the 2000s, it's, like, people are... Like, I can't think of, like a lot of people that faded out quickly. Like, Selena Gomez had a place to go to, Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber. Like, everybody has these more sustained careers now. Mm Mm-hmm, that's true. I mean, probably if we looked at case studies, that wouldn't be true. That's just my objective feelings on this. Yeah. Anyways, I have no trouble at all just thinking of him as Jeremy Jason McCole because the only thing in my head was Jason James Richter, and honestly... 
you can't convince me he would be a dick because he was in Free Willy. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he was kind of a teenage boy in, like, Free Willy 2 and 3. Which which was the one where he had the girlfriend? Was that 2? Uh, Nadine? Yeah. Yeah, that was... That was 2. Yeah. And then... Yeah, because that's when he got the younger brother. And then three was the one where he was the adult and went out on the research boat. And that's when Willie got his chick pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that. Willie knocked up some chick. Now he's got child support. Of oranges, because she really liked oranges. Oh my god. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> Speaking of the 90s. This is, this is the Animorphs podcast where we explain to you the plot of Free Willy 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Dying. Oh, God. Anyways, just getting back to Animorphs because I have to talk about my favorite part of this conversation. Oh, my God. Yes. Which is where. Rachel and Cassie are trying to explain desperately to Marco and Jake why it's important that Jeremy Jason McCole does not speak for the sharing. And they're like, he's so dreamy. He's so cute. And he's so popular. Every girl has a poster of him. And then it's like, Tobias, for whatever reason, is like kind of on the girl's side of this. Like, he immediately gets it. And he's like, yeah, it's like, it would be like Yasmin Bleeth. And X is like, is Bleeth a word? And like, Tobias says something else like, oh, this is totally like such a dork. And X is like, what does a dork mean? <laughs> like, X is so lost. I know. Oh, I, like, I somebody, love it. Somebody help him. <laughs> Anybody. And they're just ignoring him. They're like, I know. Oh. And then the other um, shout out that I wanted to say is that Jake and Marco are like, it's not a big deal. It's not like he's Michael Jordan or. I don't even know who else they said, but Tobias says Wayne Gretzky. And I'm like, yes, go Tobias. (laughs) God. Oh. I I like how it took Rachel drawing comparisons to Baywatch babes in order to help the boys understand. Yes. And that's, I actually had to look up Yasmin Bleeth and she was like one of the main Baywatch. Okay, thank God. She was one of the main (laughs) Baywatch characters. (laughs) Oh, the other thing. I looked up Powerhouse because I was like, Okay, is this an existing show? Like, in the context it's presented in, I'm sure it's, like, a made-up show. But there yeah. actually was a TV show called Powerhouse, but it's from the 80s. What was it about? Um, uh, a multicultural cast of kids. It kind of sounded like an after-school special type of thing, where they all learn lessons and, I guess, like, I don't know, do kickboxing or something? I don't know. <laughs> They do kickboxing and learn lessons. I guess so. I watched the um, the intro to the show, and they had like a really cool like '80s synth sort of musical song, and they and it was animated, and oh man, it was very '80s. It sounds but like that's as far as I got. Some Captain Planet reject. I, I mean, kind of like the the animation style was definitely that kind of like '80s kind of limited mm-hmm. sort of, you know cell shaded stuff. Anyway. Oh man. Yeah, I didn't even look it up. I just figured it was home improvement. The first show that came to my head was Full House. Like maybe oh. it was Full House, but instead of like the little twins, they had the fucking JTT clone. I don't know. 
I don't know. All I know is it's not Jason James Richter. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, I'm going to... Let me jump back into this. <laughs> okay, so Rachel is watching Powerhouse with her sisters, which it comes on after the 7 p.m. news, and apparently they do this a lot. And she starts testing her sister to see, like, how bad would it be if Jeremy Jason McCall became the spokesperson for the sharing? And she started, like, baiting her older sister. Her younger sister doesn't really give a shit, but she's like, hey, Jordan, like, if you could be part of a club where you could theoretically meet Jeremy Jason McCall, and she's like, sign me up! Sign me up right now! I'm in! I'm in! What club? What club? And so Rachel's like, ah, shit, yeah, this is really, this is not good. Save Jordan! Um, (laughs) Save Save her! Uh, Yeah, she's not gonna be saved. So, um, that's not a spoiler. I'm just saying that as far as Jeremy Jason McColl goes. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's a prepubescent girl. She's not going to get out of this. Yep. Um, so anyways, they also, okay, just speaking of prepubescent girls, what is the sharing's ultimate goal with this? To be overrun with, like, pre-teen girls? What what kind of alien invasion organization would it be if it was just like, here's our entire battle force, it's a bunch of 12-year-old women girls? Women girls? Women girls. Well, they're girls, right? And I want to say women because, like, you know, they're individual people and deserve respect. But they're also 11 and they're girls. <laughs> oh my god. Um, That's a good point. Maybe just, like, sheer mass numbers. Or, 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 maybe by taking the kids, then, then they're hoping to, like, get connected to their parents. I... And their par- parents hold more, more weight in the, I don't know. May I give like you reporters and a bullshit. mental image? Yeah. Paint me a picture. Paint you a picture. The Yerk forces, having infested millions of preteen girls, flies back to the Andalite homeworld because they are going to go for open warfare. And upon this race of pony-like beings, sensual-like pony beings, bajillions, dozens, multiple dozens per Andalite of preteen girl invade and they try to ride them to freedom and jump on them and scream in their high-pitched voices and hop around them. They all have pink drinking guns at this point because they're young girls. So it's all pink and sparkly. And they all try to go after the Andalites. And they're just clinging to their legs and they try to shake them off. Do you, do you remember that episode of Invader Zim with the babies? Oh my god, yes! They just swarm the Andalites. Anyway, that's my contribution to this, to this hypothesis. Yeah, well that's what I'm picturing. That's my word picture for you. The Andalite forces ready to face whatever, like, mass beast with whatever blades and, and weaponry they have on them. And when the, like, the ramp drops from the alien ship, it's just a bunch of, like, four-foot-tall girls with, like, pigtails wearing dresses. And they all swarm out. There you go. And that that's a generalization. Not that all 12-year-old girls look like that. Well, just no. That out there. No, this is just to make the funny mental image in my head. Yes, yes. I it's did like, not look like It's like this. one stock girl design and then just like multiplied to like Well, yeah. Crowd. Exactly. They're like carbon copies of each other. Yes. 
It's like how an alien parasitic species trying to take over the world would dress up a small preteen girl to try and assimilate. And they only have the one <laughs> idea of how they look. This is my girl suit. This is my girl suit. I zipped it up over my body this morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, plot. <laughs> Sorry, I was just in my head imagining like... The Yerk dressing up a girl like this. Because, of course, the Yerks are like, oh, whatever, this is the stereotype. And then, like, the the small, like, preteen girl in the head to the Yerk, like, but I'm a goth, not a freaking preppy cheerleader girl. And the Yerk's like, please, I am trying to take over the world. This is my evil plot. You're ruining it. And she's like, whatever. God. Anyways. uh, (laughs) So Jordan's like, Ready to run off to the sharing already. Um, But Rachel does not tell her it's for the sharing. And then Rachel's mom yells that she's going out to the store to get some milk. Remember this detail for a few minutes from now. (laughs) I was just like, don't drop the milk on the ground or I will be sad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. This is going to get really dark for you in a few minutes. Oh, dear. (laughs) So... (laughs) Rachel decides that she is going to get to know her enemy because, as we know, her her Sun Tzu quote: "If you know thyself, and if you know oneself and know thy enemy, then you will not fear the results of a thousand battles." I don't know. It's on our website. Check it out. And worse not, this dot com. I just got the the song "Know Your Enemy" by Green Day stuck in my head at this point. I Thanks, do not Rachel. know that song. Oh, it's one of their newer ones. It won't go on our Spotify playlist. No, yeah, it's exempt. But other Green Day songs. <laughs> yeah. We can do. Anyway. Anyways, so she logs onto the computer and she starts uh, Googling, I assume, Jeremy Jason McCole. Um, she has to wait through several <laughs> websites loading and his picture slowly one bar at a time loading on the screen <laughs> <laughs> through the dial-up internet. The Anyways, <laughs> that's, uh, wow, those sound bars look real weird, guys. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, she's on, she's looking at multiple stuff. She prints out his biography on his website, because of the 90s. And uh, then she notices that he has, like, a, a chart of where he's going to be on the website. And he's actually going to be in town, like, two days from now, doing the Barry and Cindy Sue show. Convenient! Convenient and exciting. So, um, she gets really excited. She calls Cassie. This is another one of my favorite Cassie-Rachel interactions. She, like, calls Cassie. She's like, oh my god, Jeremy Jason McCole is gonna be in town in a couple days. This is so exciting. And then fucking hangs up on her. Right! I agree with that, too! <laughs> like, she doesn't even finish. And, like, Cassie's, like, just as excited, like... Oh my god, I can't wait. That's so exciting. Boom! Click. Boom. Done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that's exciting. Um, and then Rachel, because she's so excited, starts to feel sick and short of breath. And then she notices, okay, this is not a good feeling. This is a bad feeling. And then she notices her hand is turning green. And she's morphing to crocodile. Woo! Yay! Yeah, so she can't control this morph. She's morphing a crocodile warp speed. She's terrified her mom's going to be home or her sisters are going to come into her room and she can't control this animal. And then 
This is all wiped from her brain because she starts going directly from crocodile to fly, which should be impossible. Mm -hmm. And she turns into this gigantic fly. Like, she morphs completely to fly before the size changes. Then she starts to shrink at, like, warp speed, and the floor is coming up at her, and all of a sudden she's growing again. She's going directly from fly to elephant. And then she realizes, oh, no, the floor can't hold me. There's some creaking, and then boom she falls down to the kitchen below her destroying her house yay Yay! so rachel's describing the absolute chaos of what just happened how she is just laying in rubble she can't get out of there there's a crushed like drywall and shit all around her there's a piece of wood speared through the door of the oven she's horrified thinking maybe she crushed her sisters or her mom she crushed the refrigerator and the contents are spewed everywhere and they specifically call out there's a gallon of milk glub glubbing to the floor but rachel's (laughs) mom just went to go buy milk at the store what Uh, is happening here maybe it's bad but then why would she leave it in the refrigerator throw it out i i have been known to take food out of the refrigerator, sniff it, deem it bad, and then not want to deal with it. And I just put it back. (laughs) I'm there for you, Naomi. I'm there for you. Wow. Wow. You're there for Naomi and the milk after our milk experience? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I can't believe you're getting on Naomi's side here after how intense you got about the milk. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was a different time in my life. You're younger and less in control. Yeah, and I had a lot less money. (laughs) You will not waste that milk. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, so what happened here is one time in college. (laughs) (laughs) I very occasionally had milk and cereal. It wasn't something I bought. I would eat Casey's. I would also eat her Cheez-Its. So if you want to know what kind of roommate I was, <laughs> a bad one. So <laughs> she'd be like, you can have a handful. And then I'd take like 10 handfuls. But one at a time. So it was still following the rules. <laughs> so I had some of Casey's milk and cereal one day. I asked permission, though. I did. Um, and I was eating it. And I don't like cereal milk i like milk in my cereal i like them together but i don't like the actual like milk because it has crumbs in it and i don't like that that taste or texture so i went to go dump the excess milk in the sink when i was done with my cereal and casey started yelling at me and it was like what are you doing and she got really mad, and she made me drink the milk, and I didn't want it, and it was horrible, and she made me drink it. And to this day, I have not had milk and cereal together since, because oh I don't want to drink the milk. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just don't want it. I'm, I ruined Alex forever. So I will eat handfuls of dry cereal sometimes that I steal from Scott because, again, I'm a bad roommate. (laughs) But he's dating me. He has to live with this shit. He signed up for this. He signed up for this. Sorry, guys. When you're dating, I get to eat your cereal. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, yeah, I still haven't had it with milk. And every time somebody's like, why don't you have a bowl of cereal with milk? I'm like, I will not. (laughs) 
So between that and my mom, like, judging you at the state of our room, I've just, like, scarred you for, like, <laughs> several You've times. you made me a cleanlier, less wasteful person. Okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess that's true, because if you don't buy as much milk because you don't have milk with your cereal anymore, then you're... Yeah. Let's like... be clear. I do not buy any milk. Ever? Ever. Do you use it in anything? No, and even oh, recently, God. I thought about, um, I mean, maybe every once in a while, if I'm making a recipe that calls for it. Um, what about eggs? What about, like, scrambled eggs? I don't put milk in that. I just scramble oh. the eggs. Oh, okay. I eat scrambled eggs, like, every single day. Good. But, yeah, no, I just have eggs. I just scramble them, because I have egg whites in there, too, so I don't want to, like, make oh. it any more okay. shitty. <laughs> Uh, all right anyway so that's why the milk thing stood out to me so much because it was like it was going on the floor and i was like casey's gonna be so mad and also (laughs) why is naomi buying so much milk oh my god oh so like the more important part of this is that rachel's an elephant and we're literally ignoring the elephant in the room to talk about oh my god (laughs) oh no so anyways so rachel can't demorph yet she's stuck as an elephant and then she does hear her sister she hears one of her sisters calling her and then the most hilarious 911 call of all time which is just like jordan like (laughs) yeah like the house like fell (laughs) like i think we need an ambulance um and then she hears sarah as well and that's when she kind of recovers and she's able to demorph and she calls back out to them, and she's fine. She's just buried under some rubble. So uh, soon after, the emergency crew gets there and digs her out, and they take her to the emergency room just to be on the safe side, but she's okay. Um, and it's just, like, it's just fucking chaos there. But they somehow the news crews get wind that Rachel was the girl that fell into the crocodile pit earlier. Damn. So... All of a sudden, when she gets taken to the hospital, she's being, like, harassed by media people who want an interview. And they start asking her things like, do you feel lucky? And she's like, no. And they're like, what advice do you have for teens or whatever? And she's like, don't fall into a crocodile pit and don't have a house fall on you. I <laughs> fell in the pit. You <laughs> fell in the pit. <laughs> That's all I can think about. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Oh, I thought about it the whole time. Oh, that's so funny. God. That never even... I never even... I did not even. But yeah, so she's basically just giving, like, the worst interviews of all time. I liked it. I liked it too, but it was, like, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, And then they all basically disperse, she thinks, because, like, they're not interested in her anymore and then her dad shows up and her dad assures her it's because they're just trying to get in for the evening news and like this interaction between rachel her dad and her mom and cassie's at the hospital too but like she kind of takes a back seat during this conversation the interaction between those three tells me more about rachel's family dynamics than any description of her family dynamics could mm-hmm. like Her dad just shows up and says, like, oh, after your crocodile pit incident, I thought I'd just, like, come over. I didn't realize you'd have the house fall on you, too. Come stay in my hotel with me. 
it'll be better because I know media, I know what we're doing. And Rachel's like, oh, that's great. Can I? And like her mom's kind of like just exasperated. Like, yeah, like, I guess that makes sense. Fine. Go do that. And Rachel's like, well, you know, it's just because like my dad's not around. And her dad like just totally like, haha, come stay with me. I'll buy you things and spend money and you can do room service and hotels are nice and we'll get you taxis to school and all this sort of shit. Like, uh, there's another instance of this later that like, that I just want to get into. But like, you can just feel when you're reading this, how much her dad is like, I'm in control of this situation and I have money and come stay with me. And her mom's like, you are not the one that takes care of these kids on a daily basis. You have no fucking idea. And then how Rachel's like, I never see my dad. I want to see my dad. I hope I don't offend my mom because, like, I love her. I want to live with her. But I just never see my dad. I hope she gets that. And it's like, ah, all these tensions that you can feel in this family dynamic. Divorce is fun! Well, yeah, I mean, the divorce sucks, but, like, fucking well sometimes it's great i mean depends on the situation sometimes in this case it sucks because like the family they they are like a close-knit family that would want to be together but like you can just the writing is so good like the writing you can feel how awkward everything is um i just want to point out a funny moment with rachel's mom Uh where rachel was like lamenting it's like but mom that house is destroyed and her mom was like, it's okay, we have insurance. Let's sue the contractors. Let's sue the building company. Let's just sue them all. Yeah, I'm doesn't dying. she say, like, we have, like, the mother of all lawsuits? Yeah, because she's oh. a lawyer. Lawyer so, of the year. Lawyer of the yeah. year. That's right. How could I forget? She's lawyer she's of the year. She's going to sue all of them. <laughs> Every single one. God. Yeah. This is the book where Rachel's mom becomes independently wealthy due to lawsuits. I love how, like, her dad is, like, considered to be, like, the money guy. And it's like, her mom's a fucking lawyer. Like, Yeah. Hello. And, like, news anchors, I don't think they make that much. Like, lawyers definitely make more than news anchors. Yeah. Unless it's, yeah. like, Matt Lauer. Who's a, who's a news anchor now? Al Roker. There we go. Unless it's oh, Al yeah. Roker. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, the dude that's, like, on your local, like, ktvw station they're not yeah 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 they probably they probably make good money but not like lawyer money yeah not lawyer of the year money yeah (laughs) Uh, so um while this is all going on rachel's dad is like telling rachel i'm gonna get the media off your back don't worry about it they won't harass you anymore it'll be fine And Rachel goes, hey, like, if I do one show, wouldn't that get everybody off my back? And her dad's like, yeah, but you don't have to do any shows. She's like, but what if I just did the Barry and Cindy Sue show? And both of her parents are like, what? (laughs) Like, why why do you want to do that show? And she's like, well, there's this cute kid on there. And um, Cassie immediately gets this plan. And she's just kind of in the background but she and Rachel are sharing eye looks the whole time. Mm, wink. Yeah, they're communicating via <laughs> facial expression. Yay. So, yeah. So, um, we cut to Rachel in her dad's hotel room uh, because her parents did agree that was the best place for her while the house is being rebuilt so that he can keep the media off of her back. And she calls down for room service. 
uh, goes to order a salad and then ends up striking that, ordering, like, fries, a milkshake, and a burger. (laughs) And pie. Oh, me too. I want... I This made me really hungry for cheesecake. So... She does, and then she gets a phone call in the room. She answers it. It's Cassie. She's like, are you alone? She's like, yep. Cassie's like, I'll be there in five minutes. So Rachel calls in the salad again, and uh, Cassie flies up to the room and as an owl and then demorphs right as room service gets there. So it's basically them, like, eating and Cassie saying, like, how she needs to have a lot of money when she's older because she's so good at spending it. <laughs> <laughs> she's a $10 salad. Um And then Cassie's like, okay, so, like, what in the actual fuck is happening with you right now? (laughs) And she tells Cassie, like, I lost control. I was suddenly morphing a crocodile. I couldn't stop it. And then I went to fly. And Cassie's like, that's impossible. She's like, I know, but it happened. And Cassie makes her promise to talk to Axe about it. But then, for whatever reason, they decide not to tell Jake. Yay. Uh... I know. Damn it, kids. Talk about your feelings. Talk about everything. Um, And then Cassie lets her know that the mission to scout out Jeremy Jason McColl is happening the following day. And he's in town on a yacht. Yay. He's on a boat. He's on a boat. I'm on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) God. So, next day, Rachel gets to take a taxi to school, which she thoroughly enjoys. Which I guess is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, again, super dated reference. Now nowadays, we'd be like, "Yeah, I took a Uber Plus to school." Or... I took an Uber Black to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like you could still say taxi though. Like taxis exist. It's not a thing that's totally it's outdated. Not, it's not super glamorous though. Like. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I guess it would be kind of cool rather than like having your your parents drop you off because it's like oh look at me i'm independent and i have money for this cab but i don't know yeah i don't know i no offense to cab drivers (laughs) all of them that listen to this podcast i mean there could be i don't know i maybe i it never occurred to me that taxi drivers are a demographic of listeners i'm just saying could be a could be an edge case could be an edge case. <laughs> Everybody uh, loves that word. Anyway. Oh, God. I'm yeah. Sorry. Anyways, um, so Rachel is at school, and for the first few periods, she gets, like, some really shitty jokes from her classmates who are either like, ah, don't come near me, I don't want a house to fall on me, or like, what's up, crocodile girl? Like, really shitty jokes, guys. Sick like, burn, you guys. <laughs> I give the Scoville, Scoville scale on this one, like, a two. Yeah, you tried. You don't need a base to control this burn. <laughs> so <laughs> There's so many milk jokes. Oh, God. We're milking it for all it's worth. Oh, get out. <laughs> leave. <laughs> leave this podcast. You are banned. <laughs> you have to take over and do the rest of this podcast by yourself. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Okay, so anyways, <laughs> um, after a few periods, Rachel gets called into Chaps, Chaps, Chapsman's, Chaps, Chapsman's, Chapsman's, Chapsman's office. We're, we're not drinking. Yeah, I know we're not. I'm just so gleeful about this episode. I'm, I'm drunk on giddiness. Yay. 
So um, Rachel gets called into Chapman's office. He wants to talk to her about her stressful day. And he says something like, you got really lucky twice. And she goes, no, I got really unlucky twice. And then he's like, is everything okay? Because your GPA has dropped from an A average to a less of an A average. How dare you? How very, very dare you? Like, I, no one ever talked to me about my GPA and it was fucking terrible. Mm. I mean, I was like at a C, low B average. So not terrible, but not an A to a less of an A. Yeah, but like when when you're at a higher level and then you slip, like, Mm -hmm. then everyone's like, oh, what's happening? This just goes to show you never set any expectations for anyone. Yeah. Always do a shitty job and then, like, get better. Never be better and then get shittier. Yeah. You can, yeah. It's a skill. Yeah. Anyways, um, he's asking her if anything's going on in her life that could have caused this. And she starts, like, thinking, oh, well, you know, only the entire fucking alien invasion and blah, blah, blah. Then he goes, you know, I heard your parents got divorced recently. And she was like, oh, fuck yeah, good excuse. My parents got divorced. That's the one. I'm suffering. That I, yeah, she said something like, oh, yeah, you know, the trauma. <laughs> like, right, right. I, that is traumatic, isn't it? That is what the humans <laughs> say about this interaction. <laughs> uh, sometimes Rachel is just as much of an alien as Axe. Yep. <laughs> so um, after he says this, he starts giving her the elevator pitch for the sharing which is they do not have flying saucers. And it's a, uh, it's a super hard sell. And then he starts talking about their like water skiing trip. And she's like, yeah, we were there. But she <laughs> doesn't say that. I was yeah. there. I remember that. And like all this sort of stuff. And because he's starting to freak her out so much with this sharing pitch, she can feel that sensation of like freaking out. And then she realizes my feet are doing something crazy. And uh, she hears the laces on her shoes pop, and so does Chapman. He goes, what was that? And Rachel's like, nothing. And he's like, oh, okay, and just moves right along. <laughs> like Not suspicious at all. Yeah, right? And so uh, he, he continues on about the sharing, and Rachel's like, he's droning on. And then Chapman's like, okay, I'm going to stop droning on about this and let you get back to class. And so she just, like, very coolly reaches under the table, shoves her broken shoes into the bag, and then gets up and walks out with her bare feet. Not her bare not, feet. Not bare feet. She's not barefoot. She literally has like bare feet. So uh, like I loved it. Rah! So she it was, it, it was like a perfect pun, but it wasn't outwardly stated. Exactly. Exactly. So she's like walk, starts to walk out of those and Chapman's staring at them. And she just, like, very confidently and coolly says, like, oh, do you like my new boots? And he's, like, he laughs. He's, like, the kids will wear anything these days. And she's, like, I guess I'm just a victim of fashion. And then walks out. I was dying. I was, like, there's no way that would work. And yet, wasn't it just a few years ago that those giant fucking fuzzy boots were really popular with the pom-poms on them? Oh, God. It happened. Called it. The Yerks are here. It happened. Oh my god. Applegate's a fashion genius. She, she knew. the trends. And she predicts them correctly. Yeah. Horrible. So that's great. So anyways, Rachel 
pulls this off. And once again, like, her shoes and Chapman. This happened back in, like, book two yeah. when she... Oh, yeah. yeah. She's got to get a control of shoes. But it's just an excuse for her to buy new shoes all the time. Mm, solid call. Solid, solid call. This is why we can't have nice things. Yep. So, anyways, uh, she goes, grabs her gym shoes, finishes out the rest of the day. And then at the end of the day is when they're going to go meet up, obviously, to scout out Jeremy, Jason, McCole. And so she heads out behind the school. She's looking for a good spot to morph. And then Tobias kind of checks in with her and says, like, hey, if you keep going straight, you should be fine. There's there's a safe spot to morph. And uh, so she starts going gull. And she... After she morphs, she kind of immediately loses herself in the morph. She goes, like, rocketing around. She's looking at trash. She's having a great time. And Tobias kind of sassily checks in. He's like, Earth to Rachel. You still there? And she immediately gets mad at him for even asking. Like, she's like, stop asking me if I'm okay. Like, it's fine. Everything's fine. And for no apparent reason gets mad at Tobias. And then flies off. Like, whatever. Ugh. I know. So dramatic. And Tobias just, like, he realizes that she's, like, being really weird. And he's just like, okay. And then lets her fly away. Well, excuse me, princess. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what happens. Oh, my God. Oh, this book. So good. (laughs) So, um, the kids all meet up as seagulls. And they decide they're going to go head out to the boat where JJM is located. Um, JJM. JJM. Jeremy J. McCole. Yeah, that's how I shortened it later in my notes. Um, Axe is still a harrier because he doesn't have a seagull morph. So he's like, all right, I'll accompany you guys out there. Tobias is still a hawk and once again proves how great his eyes are by um, faking them out and reading the name of a boat from three miles out. He admits he couldn't actually see the name, but he made a good guess, and he was right. Yay! Yay! Go, Tobias. So, um, they fly out there. They're going to go check him out, see what he's saying, do their covert mission, and uh, Axe peels off because the Harrier can't fly over dead water, and Jake goes, Marco and I will go in there and listen to what they say, and Rachel's like, as if... And just dives in, takes control of the situation. She's like, we're not going to let you two lame-ass boys listen in when this is about Jeremy Jason McCole. They also have a very important conversation about his lips. And then his lips. And Jake talks about how, what what was it, butt fat injections are involved. Yes! I was just like, is this happening right now? Oh my god, yeah. And, like, they're trying to access... Because he accompanied them out further than Tobias, he's, like, they're their really good, like, eyes in the sky at this point. Because the seagull vision isn't as good as the Harrier. And so they're like, is that him? And he is, like, he is an adolescent male. So I assume so. And they're like, but does he have the dimples and the chin and the lips? And Axe is like, he does have dimples. He appears to have a chin. I do not understand what full <laughs> lips are. <laughs> like, it was Awesome. Yeah, and then that's when Jake's, like, talking about butt fat and check. <laughs> uh, so and then they're good. like, jealousy doesn't look good on you, Jake. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. Also, I wrote a note here. 
um, that you should get a tattoo on your other bicep that says, yes, Prince Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be so good. That would be so cute. Fuck. I should. Because once again, they have the... Jake tells Axe to do something. Axe says, yes, Prince Jake. Jake says, don't call me that. And he says, yes, Prince Jake. <laughs> Every single book. It's so is a good. Staple. I love that so much. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'm thinking about that one. Good. Okay. While I think about that, I'll keep talking. <laughs> so, um,. Rachel and Cassie are listening into the conversation, and they realize that Jeremy Jason McColl is a freaking creep. He's not even a controller yet, and he's already a freaking dick. And he's talking about how, like, yeah, I'll be the frontman for the sharing if I don't have to be Mr. Goody Goody anymore. I'm so sick of just, like, pretending to be good and signing all these autographs and all these girls, like, bombarding me and writing me love letters. I'm sick of it. And then the producer is, like, going on about how, like, if you don't want your career to be a flash in the pan, you're going to have to stick with us. And the guy that's with them, they don't really know who he is yet. He kind of waves off the producer and the producer like just immediately falls aside. The like babe in the bikini that's there for no fucking reason kind of like shrinks into her like chair where she's sunbathing. Again, she's not there for any particular reason. And when he turns around, they realize it's Visor 3 pitching to Jeremy Jason McColl on this yacht that if he joins the sharing as a frontman, that he's going to get a minor procedure and then he'll be popular forever. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) He's a dumb kid. He'll fall for anything. Yeah, I love this book. So, (laughs) Wizard 3, like, is now in his, like, you know, evil Visory way where he's, like, monologuing as a campy villain is, like, Yes, become one of us, and then you will have a career forever. We'll let you do real movies. With one minor procedure, you can be popular as an adult now. Like, it's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they are basically just disgusted about Jeremy Jason McColl being a creep. They realize it's Visor 3, and they're like, we're going to report back to Jake and Marco, tell them what we heard. So they start to wheel away, and all of a sudden, Rachel realizes that she is losing altitude quickly. And then she notices that her beak is becoming a trunk, and she's about to, like, fall into the water, realizing that she's morphing elephant at warp speed directly from Seagull. And the last thing she sees before she hits the water is Visor 3 staring directly at her, and she has fucking blown their cover. Yay! Go, Rachel. Go, Rachel. So she's turning to Elephant pretty quickly. She does not think elephants can swim, which I immediately knew was wrong. They absolutely can swim. Yep, Yep, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel. Um, But she didn't know that, so she just lets the elephant start to drown and then decides, like, I'll try swimming and then finds out they can swim, but it's too late. She's way too deep. And then suddenly she's starting to shrink and getting smaller and smaller. And Axe is in the water at this point. He's kind of, you know, been able to demorph from Harrier, morph to Andalite, morph to Shark, and come out there. So he spots Rachel in the water. And Cassie and Jake are like, okay, we're going to dive into the water, get out of the way, morph back to ourselves, and then we'll come see. Axe, keep an eye on her. So he's watching her, like, as this elephant go to Ant and, like, narrating this whole thing. And Jake's like... 
it's impossible. She can't morph from one morph to the other. And Axe is like, but it is happening. Mm-hmm. So um, she starts going ant. And she's just, like, completely delirious at this point from lack of oxygen. Like, she starts singing to the tune of Jingle Bells about how morphing is fun. (laughs) And the lyrics are not very good. They're like, morphing, morphing, morph, morph, morphing. We're morphing. Morphing is so good. So um, she's out of it. And Marco starts to make fun of her a little bit. But he's the only one still above the water not watching this shit go down. Jeez, Marco. Yeah. She gets to Ant, where she is trapped in an air bubble, and that at least helps her out with the whole delirium thing. She starts to, like, breathe again, and she's okay. She comes to. Uh, and then, but she's, like, too small to spot. So they're, like, they're looking for her. That She's like, please don't, like, eat me, chop me down, whatever. And then she starts morphing again, and they spot her as she's starting to grow because it looks like at first she's a little piece of seaweed. Then they realize she is a very, very tiny crocodile, that is suddenly growing at warp speed. And Marco's up top saying, get out of here. Visor 3 is morphing. He's morphing something huge. This looks bad. I'd watch out for those spears if I were you. And they're like, spears? Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then Jake also says something like, I see Rachel now. She's an alligator. And Cassie goes, crocodile. Crocodile. Crocodile, Jake. And he goes, I don't give a rat's butt if it's an alligator or a crocodile. Um Axe is super pumped about Visor 3's morph. He's always wanted to see this javelin fish. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that was one of my favorite parts is Axe like, I've always wanted to see one of those, like in a zoo or something. Yeah. Yeah. So this javelin fish that Visor 3 has morphed, it is a bright yellow pancake shaped, stingray shaped thing it has stock eyes on top of its head, antenna below, and then rows of spears lined up along the top of it. And they say the spears look like broom handles with odd stripes on them, and they're pretty big. And then they realize this thing is faster than all of their morphs. So Axe is shark, uh, Jake and Cassie are dolphins, Rachel is now crocodile, and this javelin fish is like, it can t- run them all down in no time flat. <laughs> So Axe is no longer pumped about the the javelin fish. (laughs) Um, So it comes after them. It's gaining on them very quickly. And all of a sudden it inflates into like this large ball thing. And then with a whoosh, it fires out a spear. And it goes directly through the base of Rachel's tail. And because that's how crocodiles swim, she is now basically dead in the water. So she's not getting away. She's like, get out of here. You guys keep going. They don't want to leave her, but she's like just split up and go so they start to and rachel is playing dead and so visor three is this this uh javelin fish starts puffing up again he's gonna fire he nicks cassie like with this next spear just a little bit not too badly he puffs up again he fires at axe and rachel tells him at the last minute like turn now and he does so it avoids him and then after they, like, kind of swim all different directions, he makes some very, like, weird comment about how, like, this will only change the order in which I kill you. Or as the children say, eeny, meeny, miny, moo. And Rachel's big comeback that she wants to say here is, it's mo. <laughs> like, God. Sick yeah. burn. Sick burn. That's a four on the Scoville scale. <laughs> so... Um, Rachel's playing dead, and he, she's like, okay, if he goes after Cassie, he's gonna pass really close to me. 
And sure enough, he starts to go after Cassie. He inflates up and Rachel, as he comes past her, turns and snaps him with her jaws and sends him flying like a deflated balloon through the water. <laughs> I imagine literally making like a noise yeah. as it goes. While screaming. While screaming. He's like, ah! like fart noise and he's just like flying through the air in crazy circles it's hilarious oh god Uh, (laughs) what were you gonna say i was gonna say i imagine like after he deflates his voice sounds like like it's like he's been yeah like the helium (laughs) voice because he's all small and deflated Uh, yes i i hope so too Mr. Three is such a cartoon character. He is. He is. I love him. I love this book. I love him. I love this so much. Jeez. So, um, that was the big defeat of Visor Three. And the kids are now back in Cassie's meadow. Axe has to demorph and Tobias is hunting. And Axe is explaining that what's happening to Rachel is that she's allergic to crocodiles. So um, she's going to have to go through the Harith Illint to recover. And um, Cassie says, oh, that sounds like poetry. But what Harith Illint means, or Harith Illint means, is burping or vomiting up in the Andalite speech. Sexy. Sexy. So um, (laughs) since they don't have mouths and can't vomit, they call it a Harith. So they find out that the wild morphing that she's going through, like when she's going from elephant to ant to to crocodile, is triggered by emotions. And so they're going through what the examples were when she had these crazy morphing experiences. So like the last one, she was mad at Jeremy Jason McCole. The one with the grizzly bear shoes, she was scared of Chapman. And then they're like, well, what happened the first time? What was she doing? And Cassie's like, Oh, she was looking up Jeremy Jason McCole. So Marco starts, like, in on her about, like, Ooh, Xena's in love. Love is her weakness. And, of course, because Marco can't fucking take the hint, he keeps going, and Rachel starts, like, rage morphing again. And he, like, it's literally, like, she's going after Marco, and Marco ducks behind Axe, like, Ha-ha, dodged you. And she starts rage morphing an eagle, And uh, Jake just kind of pulls Marco aside and says, Rachel can't control her morphing. If she goes to Grizzly and she's mad at you, do you really want this to happen? God. I know. And that's when Marco's like, "Uh, nope, we're good. Sorry. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Rachel's like, just, she's not having it. Jake after calling Marco off, kind of lightly chews out Rachel for not telling him about this before the mission and putting them all in danger. And Tobias just, like, privately thought speaks to her, like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. And Rachel goes, no, it's not okay. It's it's really not. It's really not, but Uh, Tobias was trying, and she was so mean. I'm not mad about that. I'm just like, why didn't Rachel tell anyone? Like... Well, here's the other thing. The next thing she does the very next day, the very next thing in the book, is her telling Jake, oh, I went through the hair of villain. It's fine. Yeah, I went through it. Fuck? Like, she's like, it's not fine. It's not fine that this happened. And then the next thing she does is the same fucking mistake. Yeah, what? that's that's what pisses me off. Like, ah. Uh, yeah. Like, 
fucking... I get it. You were scared that if you told them something was up, they would make you stay home and you would be out of the action. I get that. But, fuck, man. You needed to be home and out of the action. Yeah. It's like, ah. Yeah. And I got, I got mad at Jake at the last book for not telling him, them about the hallucinations. Uh-huh. And, and it's like, why can't you motherfuckers talk to each other? <laughs> like, you've been through enough shit, you should be able to trust each other a little bit more. But you're still hiding things, and it's so frustrating. Yeah. God and damn it. Here's, like, that's an interesting point, though, actually, that you just said about Jake. Because um, these guys are both... They're, they're open and honest about a lot, but when it makes them weak or makes them appear weak, they lie about it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, it's... I don't know that we've seen examples of that in other characters. Like, I don't think Cassie would ever hide anything that made her weak. Tobias... Marco and his mom. Like, Marco and his mom, yeah. Huh. He's hiding that, but Jake still knows. Marco still told Jake, the the guy that's making all the decisions. So Jake well, but, still knows. But Jake was there when she was revealed, and Jake right. was the only other one who. So like, would Marco have hid it from Jake if if Jake didn't know? Mm. You know. Yeah, he probably would have. <laughs> Tobias totally does. Like even Tobias almost subconsciously does it because he thinks everything he does is a weakness, and so he like oh. never tells Jake what he does. Baby boy. Like, I know we haven't checked in with him since book three, and now we're on book 12, but, like, that was the whole point, is that, like, Tobias was missing even basic shit, like, oh, hey, there's, like, Hork Fisher, like, 20 feet that way, because he's like, oh, it wouldn't matter. Or, no, the pack of wolves is what I'm thinking of. He's like, oh, I almost got eaten by a pack of wolves. Well, I'm not going to burden Jake with this weakness of mine. And it's like, no, they really should know there's another pack of wolves right around here. I feel like that was kind of... I get the sense that that was a core aspect of his personality before he was a hawk. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just a very secretive person. Well, Um, yeah, and when he met Jake was when he was getting, like, a swirly in the toilet, and Jake saved him, so... Yeah. Yeah. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Baby boy. Yeah. (sighs) But, yeah, Rachel hit it. Rachel says, Yeah. yeah, I went through it, it's fine. And then Rachel, like, goes, the next part of this is her just saying, like, oh, I can control my emotions. It's fine. Except for, like, maybe (laughs) anger. No, Rachel, you've never been able to control any of your emotions. Oh, my God. I was like, dude, really? Are you not that self-aware? No, at least she knows anger. Like, whatever. (laughs) So, um, she does mention that it was a good thing she did not try to lie to Axe about this because Axe would have asked what she did with the extra crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, oh, this was another really, really interesting, like, good relationship part that I wanted to bring up. So, uh, Rachel gets back from the end of the school day, makes it to the hotel. She's on her way to go do the interview, and when she meets up with her dad, her dad's like, where have you been? This thing's, this is happening. And Rachel's like, I was at school. And, like, <laughs> How unaware is her dad as a dad? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting, though, because um, I kind of feel like uh, he and Rachel are 
are close in the sense that, like, he, he considers them as equals. He considers them as, like, pals. Yeah. So maybe he just, like, kind of forgot in that moment that she was a kid who had to go to school. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. I feel, though, like, if he was sitting around, like, waiting for her to get there, that he probably... At some point there, if he was an involved parent, would have been like, oh, right, she gets home at, like, 3.30 or something. Or, like, she's she's at school, I'll just wait till she gets here. Right, and he's probably not used to that anymore. Right, yeah, or, that's true. Oh, he probably has no idea what time she sad. gets home. That's sad. I, I yeah, but think I mean, about... it's sad. <laughs> but this is just how good Applegate is at writing. I know! <gasps> she blows my mind. God. This whole book is just me fangirling. Props. Okay, so anyways. um, So, Rachel follows her dad over to the studio. They're in a hurry because, you know, shit's happening. Um, Cassie's going to meet them there. Awesome. And also, the other Animorphs are going to be there in more if we don't know what they are going to be yet. (laughs) So... When they get there, when they get to the studio, they walk in. They're kind of being dragged behind Rachel's dad. He's leading the charge because this is his world. But then all of a sudden, they're cut off by a llama running down the hallway. (laughs) And they're kind of confused for a moment. And then the llama is followed by people clad in khaki pants and shirts running after it. And, And uh... Fucking, I love how, like, there's just a llama and Cassie's immediate reaction is, Oh, neat, a llama! Yeah, and she's like, let me start spewing facts about llamas, but then they cut her off. Like, Cassie, no, this is not the time. I was fucking dying. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. It's so good. So, um, after the llama makes its way through, Rachel's dad leads them into the makeup room. And Rachel gets kind of shoved into the chair by this very, like, strange-looking lady with a weird haircut and black lipstick. (laughs) The edgy 90s, like, I am a fashion god. Yeah. (laughs) So she gets shoved into the chair, and the lady starts, like, just throwing, like, tossing her hair around and, like, saying, oh, well, this lacks volume. What kind of conditioner do you use? And just being insulting. And so Rachel immediately loses her cool. I know! (laughs) I can control my emotions. She gets mad at, like, literally the first and most minor thing. Yeah. happens. Exactly. Yep. And so the lady, like, yells, oh, my God, your hair's going gray. And Rachel realizes she's starting to morph wolf. And Cassie, for the second, this is the second occurrence of this in the book, Cassie goes, hey, look over there. And the person just looks over there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, Cassie's was a little more of that. She said something like, oh, look. Brad Pitt in the hallway. She said Brad Pitt, right? Uh, sure. Okay. So Cassie, very coolly and intensely, says, look over there! And that completely fools the makeup lady. Which, of course it worked. I guess. And then she starts chewing out Rachel a little bit about uh, maybe lying about burping up this crocodile, vomiting out this crocodile. Just a little. So, um, oh yeah. So Rachel thinks she's really good at controlling her anger, but apparently she's not that good at controlling her anger because, you know, she starts morphing Wolf. Yay. And then the next thing that happens is Jeremy Jason McCole walks into the room 
walks over to Cassie and is, like, going full charm. Like, he's, like, put his arm around her. He's like, hey, how's it going? And Cassie apparently, her knees literally start shaking. She is so overwhelmed by this. And Rachel's just, like, doing her best impression of a robot because she's already, like, morphing to Wolf. And she's like, hello, yes, I am on this show, too. And she's like, thank God he didn't put his arm around me because I would have morphed big time. Which, very 90s. So, um, then Jeremy Jace McCall says, um, if you guys could just, like, scoot along now because I have to get my makeup done. And, like, the illusion, like, that shatters. He's a complete asshole again. Like, he came in here just to be like, hey, ladies, why don't you scurry on along now so that the big stars can get their makeup done. And they're kicked. I know, such a douche. They're kicked into the hallway, door slammed behind them, and they're like, they're angry and they come face to face with the llama and Rachel just looks at the llama and says, well, if you're waiting to get your makeup done, you're not a big enough star yet. And then the llama goes, but one day I will be because the llama is Marco. (laughs) I love this so much. And he scares the shit out of them. They both scream. So, oh, I love this so much. Marco is a llama. Okay. Anyways. Um, they asked Marco how he got this llama morph, and he's like, I just found it wandering around, so I put the llama in an empty studio, and I'm the llama now. <laughs> 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 oh, my God, I love this so much. So um, Cassie just kind of launches into it with Marco and says, like, so Rachel may have been lying about this whole not being allergic anymore thing, and then Cassie goes, I think we might need like a backup, Rachel, in case things go badly. And Marco is like, let me acquire Rachel. Please let me acquire no, Rachel. No, And they are both like him. not in a million fucking years. Don't let him do it. They don't. And especially because he's still llama and Cassie is human. So Cassie does acquire Rachel and promises her she will never use it for evil, only for good. <laughs> Which... If anybody was going to acquire me, I think I probably would want it to be Cassie. Mm-hmm. Because she's got that morality thing. Yeah. I think it would have to be Cassie. I mean, Axe technically has a bit of Rachel. He's acquired Rachel before. Well, yeah, that's... Yeah, but he, he mixed them. So... It's so weird he can do that. It still blows my, my bean. <laughs> Freaked your bean? It does freak my being a little bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, okay. So anyway, so Cassie does acquires her, and they head out. Um, and it things are just going to probably go a little badly from here. So they're met by this lady with a clipboard. Um, Marco does get caught by the khaki handlers and led off with a rope around his neck. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and... Uh, also, I, I love the idea that the handlers could not catch this rogue llama, and Marco just walked up to it in a, in a hallway and was just like, come here, llama, let's go. And it was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, the Rachel and Cassie are led off by a lady with a clipboard, and she says they can't stay in the green room because they had a band on last week that trashed it, so they have to sit on these stools just off stage. So they can kind of see all the action happening on stage now where Barry and Cindy Sue are. And um, they make some comments about, like, Rachel, when you walk out there, just walk up to Barry, shake his hand. If Cindy Sue isn't in a snit, then you can just, you know, you can shake her hand and (laughs) sit down. 
Um, oh, no. And then, like, if he does this with his hands, it means speed up. If he does this, it means time's up. Got it? Cool. It'll be easy. So she's, like, just sitting there trying, like, not to freak and trying to remain calm. And then she's hit by this intense wave of nausea. And it's followed by the croc mind kind of surfacing under her own. And this is right as Jeremy Jason McCole is walking out. And he's freaking out about them not having a green room, being a total freaking diva. Like, don't you know who I am? I'm Jeremy Jason. How can you not have a green room for me? I can't sit here with the others. I'm Jeremy Jason McCole, bitch. I'm Jeremy Jason McCole. (laughs) So... While he's doing this, Rachel's trying to fight off the crocodile, and her first instinct is to try to swim, but she doesn't have a tail, so she just shakes her butt, which (laughs) is, like, the most hilarious thing. Oh, God. This whole sequence. This whole sequence is fucking incredible. So Rachel is shaking her butt, and when that doesn't work, she decides to just attack. So she runs at Jeremy Jason McCole and bites him. And Cassie just kind of pulls her off, and he's freaking out now, like, what the fuck? What is this? Oh, my God. And Cassie's like, she's just a rabid fan. It's fine. So she pulls Rachel off, and then Marco is coming back because he was just on stage doing his dog and pony show as a llama. And so Marco's being led off stage, and he's all like, did you guys see me? I was a star. I did so good as a llama. And (laughs) then Rachel sees him coming and launches at him and bites him on the neck. And Marco's just like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) And so at that point, Rachel, her mind is able to kind of surface over the crocodile. And she says to Cassie, we have to move now. It's happening now. And then something starts sprouting out of her back. And she says she looks like the hunchback of Notre Dame. So Cassie starts dragging her down a hallway. And the clipboard lady is like, you can't go here. You're on soon. And they're like, she's going to blow chunks. Another 90s phrase. And then the clipboard <laughs> lady is like, the bathroom's there to the left. And so they run down the hallway. This crocodile is like just coming out of her back. She apparently looks like a water buffalo now or something with just this huge humpback. And then because Rachel's still out of control because the allergy isn't over yet, she starts out of control morphing to a grizzly bear. So, yeah, right? So now she's morphing. Goddamn mess. Yeah. And it's literally a bear crocodile thing. (laughs) So they make it to the bathroom. Rachel is, like, quickly becoming grizzly, and it's a good thing, because the crocodile coming out of her back would have crushed her as her human self. Um, And then Cassie gets trapped in the bathroom with them, because as they go through the door, the crocodile's tail somehow gets stuck up against the bathroom door. And so Cassie's like, oh, what the fuck do I do? And Rachel's like, get out. And Cassie's like, I can't. So she starts morphing. Somebody tries to come in and use the bathroom. Cassie's like... You don't want to come in here. And she's the lady's like, I have to pee. And Cassie's like, find somewhere else. Then <laughs> Cassie starts going squirrel because it's the only thing she could think of in that moment. Oh, my God. Right? And uh... Rachel's just, she's now fully grizzly with this crocodile coming out of her back, gnashing its jaws because, of course, it's trying to struggle out. And then it falls to the floor and it is fully out of her. And she is just a grizzly bear that is staring down a crocodile. So things are not looking good for for Rachel. (laughs) 
So Rachel's not sure what she's going to do because she doesn't think she can take the croc as a grizzly bear. I... I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, so she doesn't think she can take it. Whatever. Um, And so the squirrel does? (laughs) So Cassie jumps onto the crocodile's head, back of its head, and starts clawing its eyes out. And this distracts the crocodile from launching at Rachel and getting her grizzly bear, presumably right in the stomach. Um, And so Rachel kind of tries to get away. The crocodile clamps onto her leg. And the person that was trying to get to the bathroom before comes back, tries to open the door, and then they just smash through it. And Cassie says she assumes that she found somewhere else to go to the bathroom. I just assume she peed her pants. That's what I assume, too. It was right there, right now. So um, the bathroom door is smashed. Rachel is dragging this crocodile down the hallway. It's attached to her leg as her, her as a grizzly bear. Cassie's still on the crocodile, clawing its eyes out as a squirrel. And Rachel's literally dragging herself down the hallway by her claws. It is utter chaos. So she's approaching the stage and everybody starts going nuts because there is a full-on fight between a grizzly bear and a crocodile happening. And then Marco, as a llama, starts charging the crocodile. Oh my god. Yeah. Sweet boy. He's... He is such a sweet boy in this scenario. He's like... I, Marco as a llama is like one of my favorite Marcos. I agree. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if the llama like melted his brain and made him sweeter than normal. I don't know. But I agree. <sighs> He's so nice. But yeah, so he starts charging the crocodile. And then apparently at some point in time... Between Marco as a llama charging the crocodile, Cassie scrambling for its eyes, the crocodile does open its jaws just like a fraction, and Rachel's able to pull her leg out and turn around to face the crocodile, which drags them completely, their entire fight, out onto stage. And Barry's freaking out, and Cindy Sue is just repeatedly repeatedly asking for the animals to please be removed from the stage by the animal handler, <laughs> like very calmly. And Jeremy Jason McColl, who was doing his interview on stage, was just about to say, I've joined this fantastic new organization called, and then this is when Rachel comes out on stage and Jeremy Jason McColl is looking behind her because just off stage, off camera, out of sight from almost everyone is Axe as an Andalite. And Jeremy Jason McColl's eyes are just getting larger and larger. (laughs) And he is frozen in his spot. So they don't care about him. Rachel's fighting the crocodile. The crocodile throws Cassie completely free of it. She goes flying. Nobody knows where she's gone because she literally was just like fucking out of there. And Rachel is like now like mano a mano with the crocodile. (laughs) Like... Shit is not good. And she's like, I don't know if I can destroy this thing. And Marco is still, like, careening around stage as a llama. He winds up (laughs) knocking Jeremy Jason McColl out of his chair in front of this crocodile. And that kind of unfreezes Jeremy Jason McColl. And he starts screaming, save me, save me, someone save me. And Cassie, from the back now, says, I think I found a light switch. 
So she kind of counts him down, says she's going to flip the light switch. And right before that happens, Rachel thinks she saw the yerk crawling out of Jeremy Jason McCall's head. Then the lights turn off and Axe is able to leap from behind stage and deliver the killing blow to the crocodile. He slices its head open and just immediately kills it. And in this moment, Rachel, she finally kind of realizes how dangerous Axe is. Like, Mm -hmm. this is so impressive to her because she was like, I can't take this thing as a grizzly. And Axe just killed it in two swipes. So, that tail blade, fucking deadly. It's OP as shit. Yes. Um, so, Crocodile's dead. Axe confirms he too saw the yerk crawl out of uh, Jeremy J. Smickle's head. So, they're like, okay, cool. And then as Rachel is fleeing the stage, she steps on the yerk and squishes it. Yay! Yay! And now comes the best sequence of the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, everybody heads to the bathroom to demorph or remorph in Axe's case to human. And when Rachel comes out of the bathroom, she hears a very familiar voice. She realizes it's her voice. So she kind of like sneaks a peek at the stage. She has to kind of like look over this dude's head. And he's, she sees Cassie morphed into her. And she is just sassing people. <laughs> like She's like, you guys should really get a hold of like everything going on here. This is a disaster. I think you need to, like, clean up around here. This is a mess. Like, (laughs) just fucking Cassie as sassy Rachel is my favorite. Oh, my God. Like, this is amazing. So, um, the guy is talking to her at this point and saying, like, wow, you've, like, brought doom upon yet another thing, you know? And Cassie's like, yeah, okay. And he's, like, kind of scoping her out, like, trying to say shit to see if she reacts and, like... This is suspicious, thinking maybe she's an Andalite. And then the guy's final maneuver is just to say, Andalite! And, like, if she, like, jumps or pauses or anything, they know that, like, oh, she knows what an Andalite is, and she's part of this, like, Andalite-Bandalite group. But she just, instead of, like, reacting to when he goes, Andalite, she goes, yeah, a light would be great, and walks off. (laughs) I feel like K.A. Applegate had that in her back pocket, and just was just waiting for an opportunity to use it. Yes. I a thousand percent agree. Oh my god. So good. Oh, it was so good. It is so good. So, um, as Cassie sassily walks off the stage, Rachel's kind of like hiding out because she doesn't want to like catch Cassie Rachel's eye and like have her react. So after Cassie's, like, out of the way, she just kind of, like, goes up next to her and starts talking to her. And Cassie starts, like, telling her how difficult it is to control her brain. She's like, your brain keeps telling me to do stupid shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. And uh, Rachel's, like, just astounded that she could be difficult to control. (laughs) So, um... The final thing that they talk about is Cassie tells her how much trouble she's in. And Rachel goes, you wouldn't want to stay in Morph as me for a little bit longer to talk to Jake, would you? And Rachel is, like, trying to get her to take the blame. And Cassie's like, absolutely not. Rachel calls her a wimp. And Cassie's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yep. She'll own that. Yeah, I know, right? So, two days later... The kids are all sitting around in Rachel's hotel room because her house won't be ready for, like, another week. 
And they're all watching TV, enjoying the room service pie, and just hanging out. Axe's face is completely covered in pie innards. And <laughs> they're, like, poking at the crust. Tobias is sitting on the window ledge. It's literally just, like, this fantastic scene of our kids all together, like, on the hotel bed watching TV. And they're watching Entertainment Tonight to find out what exactly happened to Jeremy Jason McCall. And it turns out that after he was discharged from the hospital, he was totally fine. And he quit his job on Powerhouse and moved to Uzbekistan. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. It's so amazing. So um, he's moved away and Cassie and Rachel... They both start saying like, "Oh no, he!" But he really was so cute. It's gonna. It's such a loss. It's just terrible. Like I can't believe this. And so Jake and Marco just kind of start giving them shit. And they're like, "Change the channel. We can't watch this anymore. Turn it to Baywatch. Turn it to Baywatch." And Marco grabs the remote, swipes it away from Rachel. She is like about ready to clobber him, and then he switches it. Instead of Baywatch, he puts on Xena, and Rachel agrees. This they can watch. Aww. Aww. And that's the book. So good. It's one of my favorites. I love this book so much. It was, like, weirdly lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's a couple times there that we got a little serious, but for the most part, this was just a fun, lighthearted adventure romp. Yeah. Yep. (sighs) Which is really good because the next podcast after this one that we're going to post the next episode is the andalite chronicles which is intense (laughs) intense it's super intense yeah like camping cool (laughs) uh i i just love this book so much i don't it's just such a great contained story Mm -hmm. i love it so much i'm so i'm so nostalgic for the 90s I know! A simpler time. Yeah. Like, when she was talking about, like, searching his website and, like, having to wait for the picture of him to load, like, (laughs) I'm just back in, like, the kitchen with, like, the phone jack hooked up across the space where you need to walk so you had to step over it a thousand times. Like, I'm there. (laughs) Oh, God. Watching it load, like, like is it like one more inch of picture one more inch of picture like (laughs) so good yes oh Oh, man oh man and this was also one of those books that like looking at the cover like i had this one as a kid um so like looking at the cover and like picking it up it was like that wave of like the scholastic book fair like yeah i was like all right i'm here and this and I, there's, like, a very distinct line in my mind where things went from Scholastic Book Fair to Borders, and this was Scholastic Book Fair line. We're not yeah. late enough in the series yet to hit Borders. Like, oh, so good. And Cassie is Rachel. Like, that's one of those moments of, like, whenever I think back at the series, just Cassie's, like, and a light. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, such a good moment. Well, should we just tell people where to find us if they I suppose so like if you guys want to talk more about this this book you can email us at anonymousanimars at gmail.com and i'll answer you and i warn you 
I write a lot. You can ask other Alex P about that. I think I shocked him a little. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you can also find us at facebook.com slash Animorphs Anonymous. We have a super fun group on Facebook now, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous, or you can search Andalite Bandalites, and uh, you can just witness Casey and I talking about bird facts mostly. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly bird facts, as we promised. Yeah. Um, but it's a good time. Uh, we're going to post, like, polls and stuff. Mm-hmm. eventually um i think I, I was posting a couple of like dumb jokes or funny memes that i find so yeah it's kind of a free-for-all and you should come it's super fun yes um you can also find us our website is animorphsanonymous.com you can find us on the twitter at animorphsanon you can find us on insta slam which is at animorphsanonymous where else can people find us um for, for podcast listening, you can find us at Podbean. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Casts, Stitcher. We're also on, like, Podbean Republic, or uh, Podcast Republic. Yeah. Yeah, just search us on the Google machines. Yeah, if you search Animorphs Anonymous, a lot of stuff comes up for us, which is Yay! awesome. Holy shit, we're established now. That's amazing. I know. It's so crazy. And our recommendations on iTunes, oh my gosh, they have just started to align. And I want you guys to know, it is like (laughs) Animorphs Podcast, Animorphs Podcast, Animorphs Podcast, The Adventure Zone. Yes. Yay. Oh my god. So. Oh man. That hurts me inside. I don't know what their algorithm is, but the fact that we're like in that league even metaphorically it's amazing yeah well i think it's just like people that listen to you also listen to this so it's like you are connected by listener like that's just it's so cool i mean as you may have imagined from how many times we said freak my bean in this episode we are fans of the mcelroys so (laughs) being like put next to the adventure zone is like people that listen to you also listen to this is like (laughs) incredible all right it is time shall we bounce we had such a good time on this recording and we'll see you next time for andalite chronicles chronicles yes we will see you for andalite chronicles and chronicles (laughs) chronicles and we'll be bringing you your next special guest a guest we can't tell you who they are or where they live but they do like animorphs excellent yep all right let's bounce out of here Alrighty. what's a really cool 90s way to sign off tubular something let's blow this popsicle stand sure all right let's blow this popsicle stand bye